0: When my doula asked me about my expectations of birth, I was ready. Maybe a little too ready. I want to be tapped into the spiritual energy, I told her, with the adorable sincerity of a first-time mother. She smiled. Go easy on yourself, Tanya. Holiness does not depend on your awareness. How elevated do you feel midday on Yom Kippur? Sometimes, you're just hungry. The sages say that one mitzvah done in this world is more powerful than the entire world to come. There you will sunbathe in a sliver of divinity. Here you will shiver in the presence of the sun. During labor, I felt myself drowning beneath the weight of the miracle. I did not ride the wave. I cried, though I was a vessel for creation. My bones trembled, subservient to the light. In the moment of a mitzvah, you experience God's essence, become a channel for infinity in a finite world. If you cannot see Him, does it really matter? Holiness does not depend on your awareness. Some days, you will be hungry or tired. You do not have to do anything, but be carried by the light. Hey there, it's Tanya, and you're listening to episode four of Human and Holy, a podcast by The Tanya Project, where we discuss spiritual ideas in human terms. Today's episode is a little different than usual. You might notice the shorter episode length, and that's because I'm writing solo today. I am doing a Hanukkah bonus. I'm going to be sharing some Hasidic insight on the Hanukkah story, as well as my own personal experience with this idea. I hope you love it. Alanisin, the Al Hapukan, the Alla Gevot, the Alla Te Shuot, the Alamil Hamot, Shasita, Lavotainu, Bayamim Mahem, Buzman, Ze. Over two thousand years ago, Antiochus, who was the leader of Syria, began a crusade against the Jewish laws. He banned Brit Mila, Shabbos, kosher, and more. Anyone who disobeyed him would be killed. One day, his men were in Modian. The town where Matisyahu, an old priest, lived with his sons. When they noticed Mattisyahu, they commanded him to bow down to the Greek god that they had set up in the public square. And he refused. Realizing the danger that he was in, he cried, Mila Shemilai!" Whoever is for God, follow me. And he fled to the mountains. Despite all odds, this small group of Jews, called Maccabees, went to battle against the Greek armies and defeated them. When they returned to the Holy Temple, they found it defiled and torn apart. They immediately set to work cleaning it, only to discover that every jug of oil had been impurified. How would they light the menorah? Enter the famous miracle of Hanukkah. After scouring the temple, the Maccabees miraculously found one jug of pure oil, which burned for eight days. We commemorate that miracle by lighting the Hanukkah menorah today. In a mimer or Hasidic discourse called Tanurabanan Rabbanan Mitvah Sner Hanukkah, the Lubavitcher asks the question, what is the oil Takes center stage in the Hanukkah story. Why were the Greeks going after oil? What does it represent? Most armies are interested in territory, gold and silver, captives. But what was the Greeks' mission statement? What did they hope to take from the Jews? The Greeks' culture was called Hellenism. It was a culture that worshipped the self. They were obsessed with pleasure, bodily pleasures. And also more refined physical pleasures. So then what were they after with the Jews? The Greeks wanted the culture of pleasure and self-serving to infiltrate the Jewish home. Antiochus wanted the Jews to serve themselves, not God. The battle of the Hanukkah story was not a battle against our bodies, but a battle against our souls. The Greeks' culture was okay with spirituality, only as it served the self, but not as it served God. They didn't really have an issue with Jewish culture or history or even Jewish wisdom. They had an issue with the relationship with God that pulses beneath it all. They absolutely could not stand a connection to the Torah that was beyond reason. Oil, the oil in the temple, signifies chachma. When you pour oil into a cup of water, it automatically rises to the surface. It doesn't mix with other liquids. Chachma is the transcendent part of you, the part of you that can tap into a connection with God that is totally beyond reason. It's the part of you that always rises to the surface. Your relationship with God is untouchable, and the Greeks couldn't stand that. Because the Greeks were after the oil specifically. They were after Godliness. Last room Kipper, I was a couple months pregnant with my now beautiful baby, thank God. At the time though, I was nothing but miserably sick. I was throwing up multiple times a day. Some days I could hardly string coherent sentences together because of the intense nausea that had crept into my brain. I was grateful and I am grateful, but it was still really hard. That Yom Kippur looked different than all other Yom Kippurs I had experienced previously. I went to synagogue for Kol Nidre, but the next morning, I was too sick to walk to shul. Most days I relied on a couple sips of ginger ale, a little bit of toast. But since I was fasting, that wasn't going to happen. So I spent most of my day horizontal, (laughs) sleeping on and off, staring at the wall, trying to murmur some prayers from the machser that I had on a chair beside me. I counted down the seconds. Anyways, after we broke the fast, I couldn't help but compare myself to my husband's posthum kipper glow. Safe to say I wasn't exactly glowing. (laughs) Pregnancy glow is a lie. (laughs) I really wasn't. My husband had spent the day in Shoal, He had spent the day praying. He had spent the day singing, uplifting Yom Kippur songs, being introspective, connecting with God. And I had spent the day just barely surviving. It was a hard day. And the hardest part was that it hadn't felt like Yom Kippur. I couldn't shake the feeling that my day had been lacking. I berated myself. You could have done better. You should have prayed more, sang more, felt more. Like, you really couldn't squeeze in any little bit more of spirituality into your Yom Kippur. In the context of the Hanukkah story, that voice was the voice of my ego, not my soul. It was the voice that craved feeling holy, but not necessarily holiness itself. There is no question in my mind that being a partner with God in the creation of a baby— was far holier than any Yom Kippur melody that I might have swayed to. I would go so far as to say that that might have been the first Yom Kippur that I served God, and not myself. The Greeks wanted to confuse us between holiness and spirituality. They said, Keep the laws that feel good, the ones that you understand. Check the ones that you do solely for God. Our revolt against that is the miracle of Hanukkah. It's the miracle of the oil, which can never be made impure. It's the ability to transcend our understanding of spirituality and tap into a true holiness that might not always be as satisfying. This isn't to say that holiness can't go hand in hand with human pleasures. I think that most days it does. Fusing our ideas of enjoyment and pleasure with God's will is a magnificent and also really important thing. But on the days when they don't align, on Yom Kippur, when I am pregnant, nauseous, and fasting, who do I choose, myself or God? Is a Yom Kippur melody holier than the creation of a child? Do I trick myself into thinking that a feeling of holiness is more elevated than holiness itself? Or do I choose the truth of my soul, the truth of transcendence? When the Jews searched the temple, they found one jug of oil that remained untouched. No matter how much the Greeks took, they could never take the light of our soul. They could never take our Chachma, the wisdom to understand that we don't know everything there is to know about transcendence. And tapping into God's will, not our own, is the path of true connection. The Hanukkah battle never really ended. And our ability to tap into the Hanukkah miracle never ended either. We still have the task to choose light over darkness. To choose true holiness. To choose a transcendence that guides our reason. Not a reason that drowns out transcendence. I believe in God with my mind, heart, and soul. Sometimes, I am called upon to serve Him in a way that transcends it all. The thing is, holiness does not depend on my awareness some days i will just be hungry or tired and on those days i don't have to do anything but be carried by my soul the jug of oil within you is not limited by your understanding of holiness when your mind tells you otherwise when the sun sets when there are a million reasons to pack up and go home light your candle God calls upon you to spread your light. And tomorrow night, light another one. And the next night, another. Lean into the transcendence of your soul, your unparalleled potential. The world may seem dark, but your flame is pure. This Hanukkah, you can say, Anila Hashem, I am for God. You can tap into the Maccabee within you.